So take your Bible tonight, please, and let's turn back into 1 Timothy chapter number 2. Now we're going back to the same verse that we was on last week. We'll be on this verse for a while. I'll give you a little bit of update, and then we'll pick up and go with another thought. You see, exhorting is preaching, proclaiming, is charging, is trying to persuade the congregation, trying to press or pressure you uh, to do right. It's an entreatment uh, that God's trying to say to us to push the people of God. And preaching is trying to convince you and uh, counsel you and warn you when you don't do God's will. And now that's what that's a lot of that that's a lot goes into the preaching. That's why God puts a set of rules and uh, I guess qualifications for the man of God. Now they'll say if you if you get a you know if you want to this is a true saying if a man desire the office of a bishop he desireth a good work. Amen. And if we desire that, then we ought to do it right. And so he goes into detail in the third chapter of 1 Timothy to tell us what a man of God ought to do. Somebody said, well, that's a bishop. That's a pastor. And uh, they said, it's not, that's not uh, a preacher. Let me tell you something. Every preacher is subject to being a pastor. May never be. He's a... He's also subject to be an evangelist. And so I believe when you see bishop, one place calls it a, a, an elder. And so I believe he's talking about men of the cloth or men who are preaching the word. So he says tonight, and uh, we'll read it, I exhort. <laughs> That's the message right there. We'll look at it. But he says, I exhort therefore that first... Number one, of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Now you can see we're going to be there a long time because I've got 16 points on exhort that we hadn't even covered yet. We have covered three of the exhorts. We found the three places in Acts chapter 2 in verse number 40, Paul is, or I believe it's Peter, is exhorting, preaching that we ought to get saved. He's preaching salvation on the day of Pentecost. So that's one thing we do to exhort men and women to be birthed in the family of God. That's the first one. We covered that last week. Number two, Paul on the ship that was going down in the uh, 27th chapter of Acts, he exhorted them to be of good cheer. Every child of God in this building needs to be of good cheer. We're commanded to be of good cheer. God don't like uh, gripers and murmurs and complainers and whiners and all that. And he gets an awful lot of it out of all of us in here. He don't like that. He wants us to be of good cheer. Amen. And I know you don't have good cheer all the time. Neither do I. So that's a big job. So he has to exhort it. That's what the man of God's got to do. Now tonight we're going to look at another one. And we're going to 2 Corinthians. I, 
Oh, no, not that we, I'm going to mention that, and I've already done that last Sunday night. And he exhorted them to give. You remember that? He exhorted them in giving, brethren. He's always talking to the saints of God. Tonight, now, we're going to 1 Thessalonians. And get the fourth one. We'll take the fourth one tonight. And I pray that it'll be a blessing to you. But I want you to see how much it's involved. It's chapter number five or of the First Thessalonians. Chapter number five of First Thessalonians, and it goes to verse 14. It actually goes down through verse 22. So Paul's got a lot of preaching here to do, a lot of exhorting to do. I've got a lot of exhorting to do. So he says to us tonight in 1 Thessalonians 5, 14, Now we exhort you, brethren. Now here's what he's going to exhort them to do. He said, warn them that are unruly. Amen. How long has it been since you heard a sermon on those who's unruly? How long has it been since you heard a sermon on Comfort the feeble-minded. How long has it been since you heard a sermon on support the weak? To be patient toward all men. Then Paul goes on to tell us, and this is what he's supposed to do in verse 15, see that none, none render evil for evil unto any man. That's exhorting. We're to preach that. But ever... Follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Verse 16, rejoice evermore. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Verse 18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning him or concerning you. Verse 19, quench not the spirit. How long has it been since you heard that? Despise not prophesyings. Many do that today. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. And then verse 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. Now Paul says we've got to exhort, we've got to warn people, we've got to declare that, we've got to tell you, we've got to try to keep you out of that. See, we, we miss a lot. Amen. Most folks want something out of the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Amen. I give you part of that this morning in the, out of the book of Mark. And we're different, tonight's different than this morning. And... Uh, so we look at these things and we look at it. Father, give us wisdom tonight. Help us, Lord, to declare the word of God. Help us to rightly divide the word of truth. Help us, Lord, to apply it to our heart. May we not sit here, Lord, and think about how we're being punched on and worked on. But God, how that we can get better and closer and become a Christian that can be pleasing in the sight of God that can do a work. And do what you expect us to do and follow after the word of God. Help us to be strong in the preaching and the power of the spirit. And I pray tonight you'll drive these thoughts into our heart. Lord, I'm talking about myself tonight. I pray God that we'll hear you. We'll hear the truth. We'll hear the word. We'll apply the word. We'll walk in the word. We'll give you the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Now Paul, and I want to talk about this tonight, he's going to, he's going to exhort us on uh, some things here. The first one, he said, Now we exhort you, in verse 14 of Thessalonians, Brethren, again I say, he's talking to the church. We're brethren. We're brothers and sisters. He's not talking to the wayward out yonder. He's not, well, he's talking the wayward in the house, but he's not talking to the wayward in the world. He's not talking to the drunkard and the harlot and the sinner that's in gross sin. He's talking to believers, peoples who've been washed in the blood of Christ. And Paul's saying, and that's what he's saying uh, here, exhort, I exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Do you know what unruly is? Yeah, but I didn't know we had that in the church. I raised three kids and all of them got unruly every once in a while. I pastored lots of churches over the period of years and sometimes they get unruly. Amen. I've seen a lot of folks and sometimes they get unruly. Sometimes I get unruly. Uh-oh. You said, oh, preacher, I'm, I'm not guilty of that. Don't lie. God holds the record. I, I don't watch your life. But I know that we are failing creatures. So what's it mean here to warn the unruly? Amen. He's got something to say. That word unruly is, is a Bible word. I'm going to give you some places in the Word of God tonight that uses that word. And we'll let, by looking at them, see it. If you look that word unruly up in, in a Strong's Concordance, and that's where I'd advise you to find the answers to these things if you've got a Strong's Concordance. But you can find a lot of things in the dictionary. The word unruly means to be disorderly. Do you believe a child of God ought to be disorderly? Have you ever seen people that are disorderly? They scream about the fork. It's got food left on it from the kitchen. I ain't never seen a Christian do that, have you? Amen. Search that out. People go to eat, and I, I remember one time as a lady in the, in the church, and we were eating out, and uh, she got that fork, and it had, and she just waved it around, and they come over to the waitress, and she just chewed that waitress out. Ah, can't y'all uh, wash the dishes right? I mean, she got, I, uh, I mean, she got really bad. Amen. I started to get up and leave, not being, you know, with her. I had all the church folks there. I have. I, I got back and preached on it. I'll tell you now, I've been preaching on it ever since. Have you ever seen people uh, get irate down at Walmart or Ingalls or somewhere like that? If you had questioned them, if you walked up to them right quick and said, Can you tell me right quick, ma'am, have you been born again? She might, sm she might smack you. 
And I'm not talking about kissing you. Amen. It said, warn them that are unruly. And so the dictionary says it's uh, disorderly, out of rank, kind of like a military. And it also means out of, out of order. They ain't got their marching right. As a soldier, they deviate from the prescribed order. They're not taking the same steps. They're a rule breaker. Uh, a disorderly person is one that's not following the demands and the commands of the Word of God. Paul said we're to follow that. An unruly person is somebody that's running their own life. They're calling the shots on their own life. Did you know none of us in here have that right? God said we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. And we ought to glorify God that way. Well, we're not following what the Bible says. We're not under authority. Won't be under authority on the job. Won't be on in authority at home. Won't be on in authority to church house. Somebody says, I don't believe in authority. You've got a rough life to live. Amen. I'm looking at this tonight and I see it. I believe parents, I believe preachers and churches, and I'm talking about pastors and preachers and parents are not rated at the right place tonight. They're not given respect. And I say tonight they ignore the standards. Somebody says, I don't care about that. I don't want to put up with that. I don't want to be told what to do. Don't join any church. Unless you're going to abide by every dot and amen and crossing the T of the Word of God. That's what it means tonight when it says to be unruly. He said, I don't get unruly, preacher. You go home and talk about the preacher. Go home and talk about the church, folks. You go home and talk about what's happened at the house of God. You're unruly. Oh, no, no, I'm just talking about... We'll talk about that a little deeper a little bit. All right, I want you to take your Bible to the second place found in Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1 and verse 6. I'm not spending a whole lot of time on these, but I want to give you something to chew on and maybe God will wake you up in the middle of the night and you can chew the fat off of it. Titus 1 6 says, If, thy, if any be blameless... The husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. Now this, down, this brings it down to another level. This is the qualifications of uh, the preacher. I say the preacher, the bishop, the elder, the leader of the church, whatever. And it says here tonight that they're to be blameless. In other words, and we know we're not perfect, and we know that we sometimes are at blame, 
But it means simply that it's hard to find something to stick on. And every preacher has to be that. Every preacher lives in a glass house. Ask Brother Burl. Amen. And when you preach something, they want to throw rocks back at you. And that's dangerous in a glass house. And then we look at here and he says, blameless, the husband of one wife. Not two wives, one. Not one at a time either. <laughs> Amen. And that, that cuts out, we just talked about that yesterday. This cuts out women preachers. Having faithful children. Did you know it's important that the preacher's kids be right? You remember what happened to Eli? Yeah. He fell over the he fell off the throne, broke his neck, and died. And why'd that happen? His two sons got killed in the battle, and they took the Ark of the Covenant. Why? Because Eli did not straighten his kids out. Yeah. And it tells you in the Word of God that they were unruly. It didn't say unruly, but they were rebels. So he says here, having faithful children. Then he says, not accused of riot or unruly. And he's talking about the preacher's kids. They're not to be rioters or unruly. They're to be under subjection to their parents, especially their daddy. Because he's talking about the man of God. I appreciate my boys they don't always walk like I'd like for them to walk. I could tell you a lot of things that's discouraged me about them. But I appreciate them taking a stand with me and helping me. Their mother's gone. They don't have to be here. But they chose to do that. And I appreciate that. That speaks well of them and me. But he said that they, the children are to be, uh, they're not be unruly. In other words, they're to have faith in God, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. In other words, they have to be under control. Titus chapter 1 and verse 10 is the next verse, and he says, for there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. Now when he's talking about they of the circumcision, he's talking about the born again here because they were having that. Of course, that's an Old Testament uh, thing. It's like baptism to the Gentiles. These are supposed to be God's children. And he's saying, for they are, there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers. Did you know the church has got that? Somebody said, no, the church don't have things like that. You may believe something different, but I want you to know all that's around. We've got unchurch, uh, unruly church members. We've got unruly talkers and deceivers in our churches. 
And it's hard for us to differentiate it because we don't have enough discernment from the Word of God. That's why it's important that we hear the preaching on it. If you don't even know it's ever happened in your church, how are you going to spot one? Many people couldn't uh, spot a wolf in the church house. That's eating sheep. That's why it takes a man of God to spot that. You see somebody walking out of the ordinary. You see somebody disagreeing with the Word of God. You see somebody doing their own thing. You see somebody walking unruly. You watch them with both eyes, two pairs of glasses, and a magnifying glass. And if anything on them wiggles, it looks like wool. Amen. And not, amen, then you, you might think that they're sheep, but they're wolves in sheep's clothing. Yeah. Understand me tonight. Now you may not agree with me, but you know what I'm talking about. Vain talkers and deceivers in the church of the, of the circumcision. And notice what he says down below it in verse number 2 or verse number 11. Whose mouths ought to be stopped. And what it says is it. Must be stopped. Who subvert whole houses. Teaching things which they ought not for what? Filthy lucre's sake money. That's why sometimes strong preachers are preaching against things. that You don't even know what's going on. Because he spots some of that stuff. Now take your Bible and turn to the book of James. And we'll get to third place, or the fourth place, about unruly. And so we look at the book of James. Hebrews, James. James chapter 3. We're going to look at verse number 8. He said, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil. Oh, not my tongue, preacher. Oh, yeah, yours. Oh, yeah, mine. Does your tongue obey you? Probably does. But something's wrong with part of you tonight that lets it get by with it. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of what? Deadly poison. Amen. Had a fellow one time, a pastor called me. and he, was a, he had problems in his church. And he said, preacher, I got a woman. And uh, I want you to pray. I've got other preachers that's helping me pray. He said, I've got a woman that she just yak, 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 yak. Amen. Every service she's yakking about something. And said, preacher, I'd just like to see her shut up. That's what he told me on the phone. And he said, I'm asking you folks to help me pray that God will shut her up. He did. She had a stroke and couldn't talk no more. Amen. You don't believe that? Don't you think that's happened before? 
I had a man in the first church I pastored. I remember him well. He was a sweet man. He sat about middle middle ways. And uh, I'd never pastored. I didn't know anything. I was a novice. A novice means, you know, first time experience with this and you don't know what you're doing. You're not grown up in the Lord. Nobody ever taught me that. That's one of the qualifications of a preacher is not to be a novice. I don't think I'm a novice now. I've had some experience. But that man sat in the middle and I was preaching and he just sat there and sat there and looked. And one day I said, all right, men, after the church today, we're going to have a men's meeting. Something we need to do and I want to put that to you. We had a couple, three, four deacons there and one had just moved in. And I didn't know all of them that well. Hadn't been there long. We met in the back room. And I said, fellas, what I want to do is start a visitation program here. And a, I want us to visit. This church don't do that. I want us to start with that. And I said, what we'll do is we'll meet up in pairs. And if you can bring your wife, that will be fine. And you and your wife will be a team. If not, we'll put two men together. We're going out by two so we won't get in, into trouble. Jesus did that. And I said, uh, well, I don't know. Called on one of the deacons and I said, why don't you come here and moderate this? Amen. That's the first mistake I made there. And so I said, why don't you just kind of watch over this and put this down and take the minutes with us and so we'll have some record of what we said. And so they were working out who was going to go together and there was two men there as brother-in-laws, by the way. And uh, they said, well, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Well, I didn't know what that meant. I've heard that before. He said, we can go out and knock on doors and all that, but you can't make them come. I said, no, but you didn't invite them. And he said, well, I'll tell you right now. That man you put up right there is not the moderator of our church in the deacon board. I said, I didn't know you had a moderator. He said... I'm the moderator. I've always been the moderator of this church. And I'll always be the moderator of this church. That's making a big statement. And I said, uh, okay, let's pray. I done knowed I done hit something and drove the wrong nail. And I done got pinched. And I said... We'll just dismiss this, uh, this meeting and we'll just get down and pray and I'll come at it from a different angle sometime. I'll pray about it. It caught me off guard. I didn't know what to do. So we all got down to pray and them two sat in their chair. And I started to pray and I looked over and I said, get down on your knees and let's pray. He said, 
I don't need to pray. And the other said, I ain't done nothing to have to pray over. They had. They was done knocking the pastor. All I was trying to do is get the church built up. You'd be surprised if people wouldn't want to build a church. Unless they built it on themselves. So anyhow, we got down to pray. We dismissed it, went home, thought no more about it. Come back that night, preached. But I was troubled. Those two brother-in-laws didn't show back up. Here I am in the first church and about to lose two deacons. About Tuesday of that same week, I got a phone call and it said, Preacher, the chairman of the deacons of the church just had a terrible heart attack. He's in Gainesville Hospital in bad shape. I come home from the job. I went down the road to the hospital and went in. He couldn't hardly talk. He's going to have to do open heart surgery on him. And that's been almost, I'd say, 50 or 49 years at least. And they didn't have the modern technology they got now. They done open heart surgery on him. and done open heart surgery and then sent him home after about six weeks at the hospital. That's how long it took back then. He went home. I went over and seen him two or three times a week. I went every night just about it to the hospital when he's in the hospital. I never will forget in six weeks he's able to come to church. I told you he said halfway back. That particular Sunday morning he came, he came right up and sat on the front row. His brother-in-law was sitting in the back. And I started preaching and he's sitting there doing this. Amen. Amen, preacher. He was the sweetest man in that church I had. The rest of the time I was there and I didn't stay long, I took another church. What are you saying? I'm saying tonight... That we've got to get all our junk out of our life and get our act cleaned up good before we can ever go anywhere for God. God don't like your foolishness. He certainly don't like mine. And He has proven that to me. But they, some people don't like none of that. They don't like authority. They don't like pastoral authority. Uh, you go to churches. I believe the man that's in charge at the church is the man of God that God put there. But we are living in a society today that churches believe they hire and fire the man of God. That's why preachers are filling out resumes. And putting them in the churches and having to get all that. You know how you get a new preacher? You pray him in. Amen. I never found in the Word of God where they went out candidating. Where that they had a pulpit committee to find them. The church got on its knees and prayed and prayed and prayed. And God sent them a man. Of course, it's hard to get that done today because you let a church get open and there ain't no pastor there and there'd be 15 preachers coming every weekend preaching because they want that church. How far have we gone? 
We've missed some things. I've never candidated for a church. I've never applied for one. I'm sure Brother Burroughs the same way. When we talked back when God called me, I didn't even know what He wanted me to do. He just told me to preach and that's what I did for a while. And so what I'm trying to say is we're living in a society today that they think that they can operate and run the church without the preacher's approval. And I've said that. You've heard me preach that here quite a few times. And I'll continue to preach it. Amen. 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 God won't tell you something to do for this church before He tells me. God will never speak to anybody here to tell you how to operate the church. He'll tell me I'm the man of God. Now if I get slack and it's not, it don't, you don't do this. Yeah, but, well, just because I don't walk your chalk line don't mean I ain't right with God. A good preacher is going to be a little patient. That's a little hard thing for me. Brother Barrage, it's real hard to be patient for, as a pastor, ain't it? It is. Amen. And I found, a, I found one of the best preachers I ever, ever seen in my entire life have a little problem with that. According to people, he got so upset one day, went to church, turned the tables upside down, got to... Uh, Whip and run them out of the church house. Now, if you don't know who that is, talk to me after service. Who was it? Jesus Himself. Amen. I believe He warned them and warned them and warned them, and they didn't listen to Him. And so He walked in with a whip and run them out. Turned their tables over. They weren't. He said, "You made you made my church a, a den of thieves." It's not a den of thieves. It's a house of prayer. Amen. Well, I ain't going to stay all that tonight. Now let's go back to Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 5 and verse number 4. We're going to get the second one tonight if we can. Time's going to catch me and I can't see. I didn't intend to preach all this tonight. I didn't want to stay all night. Uh, and I'll need some rest. Verse 14 said, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Have we covered that enough tonight? Do you know what I'm talking about? Second thing is, is he said, Comfort the feeble-minded. Now we can get in trouble here when we start talking about what feeble-mindedness is. You look that up in the dictionary, it said those are stupid dean bats and all that. And other things. But that's not the biblical meaning of that. There's feeble. Feeble means weak. Feeble means incapable. 
God don't expect people in this church to have a college education of the Word of God. That's what He gives to the preacher. Yeah. Of course, I don't agree with what they do in society. I believe God, like, Mo, uh, like Paul was, has to stay with God to get the truth. Yeah. You understand? You can be feeble-minded tonight, and it simply means that uh, you're faint-headed. In other words, it, it don't stick there. Feeble-mindedness means that you don't grasp everything. How many in here, the first time I preach it, you know it from backwards and forwards? You have to come back. Some of you didn't hear it the first time I said it. Didn't hear it the second time I said it. The third time I said it. And about ten times you say, I ain't never heard that. <laughs> You've done it to me here. You're feeble-minded. That means you're unlearned. Either because you didn't learn it or didn't try to learn it. Or you was thinking on the jaybirds when I was on a different subject. Amen. I'm not knocking nobody. But he said that what we had to do is comfort the feeble mind. That's a hard thing for the man of God to do. Comfort means, all right, I understand. Therefore, you have to have some more patience. Okay, I'll go over it again. That's why sometimes you ask me questions and then I turn around and you know I do it. I hadn't said I wouldn't. And I hadn't denied it. You bring up subjects, the next thing you know, I'm going to preach it in the next two or three sermons. You know what I'm doing? I'm trying to comfort the feeble-minded. I'm trying to help you. If you don't know it, I'm going to try to help you. Quite contrary to what some may believe, I don't come up here to try to get on to you. I don't come up here... To try to beat you up. I come up here to tell you what's right so that you'll stay out of that and you'll have a good life. I want everybody in here to have the abundance of God on them. Amen. Praise God. I want God to bless you. I want God to thrill you. I want God uh, to encourage you. I want to help encourage you. Uh, amen. You'd think I'm in here to try my, sometimes uh, to put you down. I'm not here to put you down. My job is here to lift you up, to exalt, uh, amen, you the best I can before God. And uh, he said, comfort the feeble-minded. Amen. That's the only time it's mentioned in the Bible. And they mean it just simply means a weak in understanding. The Bible talks about in Hebrews that they some should, should be on meat and their own milk. And God says you can't eat the meat because you're still on milk. You hadn't grown enough. Sometimes we don't get it all. Let me tell you something. Everybody in here that's raised children know good and well There'll be one child that'll be excel in one area. There'll be another child excel in another area. And the one that excels in the, uh, one of those won't be very good in that, but they'll excel in something else. 
Same things in the church. Some things you can grasp a little quicker than you can other things. I have the same problem. There are some things I cannot grab it the first time. I have, listen, that's why I study all the time. That's why preachers have to keep studying. Somebody said, are you ever going to get out of this life without having to study? No. But when I get to glory, I'll lay my Bible down. I'll have complete knowledge then. I'll have a perfect brain. I don't know what that is, but I'm going to have a perfect brain. Ain't that right, Brother Burl? Amen, you're right. <laughs> Amen. God ain't put no library in anybody's mansion in glory. But you ain't going to have a cell phone either. Look it up and, and Google won't be there. All right. So we look at that. He's talking about those who are unlearned, those who are not taught, those who can't comprehend. They're weak in their understanding. The third thing he says is support the weak. There again, patience. We're to support you. We're to support each other. Amen. And you look at that in Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. Would you look at Acts 20 and 35? Just to show you these things are there. I'm not out of the Bible. Amen. It might have went over your head about 15 minutes ago, but amen. Acts chapter 20 verse 35. Acts 20, 35 says, I have showed you all things... How that so laboring you ought to support the weak. There it is again. And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Everybody in here ought to try to help each other learn more about the Word of God. Now, we don't need to teach each other what we think. We don't need to teach anybody in here our opinion. We need to take the Word of God and we need to guide that Word of God to the hearts of those around us and that is the way we support the weak. Go to Romans 14. In Romans 14, we'll read the first three verses. Notice what he says. Romans 14, verse 1. Him that is weak in the faith. Did you know tonight there's some in here that are weaker in, uh, than others in the faith? Can I tell you that there's some in here that are stronger in the faith than others? All of us don't have the same uh, amount of faith and the same, amen, strength of faith. Him that is weak in the faith, he said, receive ye. But not to doubtful disputations. I mean, don't, uh, don't pat them on the back until it's all right. You try to teach them to get strong in the faith. That's what preaching does. I wish I'd have learned all these things 20 years ago or 25, 30 
Praise God. I'd have been better my time than I am now. I'm out of, I'm out of due season now. In verse number 2, chapter 14, he said, For one believeth that he may eat all things. Look at this. Another who is weak eateth herbs. I've never seen such a time in all my life that you got to eat this and eat that, this and do this and this and do that. And we got so many people. Oh, preacher, that's all they had is a diet in the garden is herbs. Then he said in verse number 3, Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. If you eat herbs and, and I eat meat, you're leave me alone. And I'm not going to aggravate you for eating herbs. If you want to eat grass and grasshoppers and all that kind of stuff, of course, that's not herbs, grasshoppers ain't. But if you want to, if you want to eat uh, weeds, help yourself. I wouldn't argue with you. Just make sure you don't get some that's poison. I will tell you that. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath, reserved, hath, hath received him. You get them out in these stores. You ought not to eat that. That, that runs your cholesterol. You ought not to eat that over there. Run your sugar. You ought not to eat that over there. Run your blood pressure up. What do you, would you eat? Asparagus? I hate it. <laughs> Cauliflower? I like flour. <laughs> Amen. Not the collar. Amen. Mustard? Kale? All that stuff? Ah, salads? I know some people that's been eating so many salads, they're going around like this. They're about to think they're rabbits. Don't argue with me about that. God didn't teach us that. This is stuff that has come up, and I can give you explanations to all that stuff, but that's not the message tonight. I'm preaching tonight about supporting the weak. Amen. Now, let's look at the fourth thing. Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 14. We'll at least get one verse done tonight, and that rather simply and not to too much detail. He says now, be patient toward all men. That's probably harder than the others. Be patient toward all men. Amen. You're sitting at the traffic light and you got it, you got her going, you're looking, you're watching that light, and just as soon as you turn the light, that light turns, you're ready to take off. Amen. And you match the gas. And before you get moving, beep, beep behind you. Yeah. I hear you. <laughs> I mean, here you are, you're not patient either. You're sitting there. Hurry up! Get on up here! Oh, that fella right there, he's going to slow down and I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to wait and not get my green light. Patience is something we don't have much of. Look at First Thessalonians. And uh, we want to look at chapter 5. 
and verse 15. I'm not going to preach these. He says, see that none render evil for evil unto any man. I'd like to preach on that one a while. That's the reason I'm going to stop now. Have you ever rendered evil for evil? Oh, you ain't done that. But you know you have. Everybody in here. My mother-in-law, she used to say to me, I'll tell you right now, I see him again, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. And I'd say to my mother-in-law, I'd say, Bertha Lou, that's the reason you don't have much mind anymore, you give it away too much. And she didn't like it. But that's the truth. And a lot of us have been right there. And we need not to render evil for evil to some men. Did I read that wrong? See that none render evil for evil unto any man. But ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. I just stomped my toe, cut half of it off. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you for it. I give you praise for my toe being chopped off. That's what he's saying. Amen. Yep. That's right. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. Don't abstain from part of all of, of evil, but all appearance of evil. All right. You've had enough. God bless you. I love you. Thank God for you coming tonight. Let's